All right, so we are in week three of a series that we are calling Strong, our Strong series. Now, the word strong is oftentimes used in communities when there are tragedies, and there's the name of the city, like Boston Strong after the bombing. Um, and it's a great rally cry for getting strength when we feel weak at times. Um, but what we're doing is realizing that strength is not just about when things go wrong, but to live a life that is strong, a life that is solid and confident and sure, whether things are going well or not, to have that strong life. And uh, so before we get into that, uh, let's uh, pray and ask God to guide us. God, we thank you for our time this morning to celebrate all that you're doing among us in our church, in our families, uh, with our kids as, as we head into a, a VBS week. I pray that for all of these hundreds of kids and volunteers, it would be the best time of their life learning about you, you and your love and grace towards them. Thank you for every dad that is here and uh, just the, the, the sacrifice and the time and the care that they uh, put into their kids' lives. And God, guide our time that we would become uh, strong in good times and bad, uh, steady and solid and, sure and secure. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so two weeks ago, uh, we led this series with this concept of a strong narrative. A strong narrative. Like, what is the point of this whole life? If we're going to have a strong life, we need to know the point of this life. Uh, that this isn't some just aimless, wandering journey, that we're not just a collection of randomly collided particles, that we're not just here to get as much stuff and have as much fun as possible. There's actually meaning in this journey. And we compared this journey to whitewater river raft riding, where it's an adventure. You don't know what's around the corner. It could be peaceful. It could be calm. It could be beautiful. And it could be a level five rapid where you are hanging on for dear life. But in it all, in this journey, we are with each other and we're experiencing this together and God is with us and we're doing something truly meaningful together. We're making this world a little bit better than we found it. We're adding love into this world and adding goodness and kindness into this world. Then last week we talked about a strong identity. Not only knowing what the point of this whole life is, but knowing who we are uniquely. Uniquely who we are. And we talked about the journey of discovering and defining and enjoying who we are, and to settle on this reality that we are personally crafted by God, made in His image, dearly loved by God, accepted as a child of God, embraced as we are, and knowing that we are the pleasure of God and He is very proud of us. That solid identity that we can live our lives on. And today we're going to talk about a strong story, your unique story, your one-of-a-kind story can be very, very strong. Now, I want to put it this way as we get started. No matter what you've gone through and no matter what you will go through, because life is uncertain and life will have its challenges, you can make your story a good one. You can make your story a good one. And what I want you to do is to grab onto this idea of making your story. You are in control of your story. Not all of it, as we'll talk about here in a minute, some of it just happens to you, some of it is out of our control, but much of it is in our control and we can make our story a good one. The reality is we all love good stories. We all love good stories. Some of us here like reading fiction and for those of you who like reading fiction, you are well connected with other people who love reading fiction and you're trading books and giving suggestions because we love a good story. For those of you who might be news readers, you read the news because you love a good story. You love the adventure of what's happening in the world. You want to know what's happening in the world. And sometimes it's tough stuff, but sometimes it's inspiring stuff. We love a good story. We love to watch a good story. Uh, there are about 1,700 streaming channels out there and unlimited things to watch, right? Some of you have watched it all. 
But uh, at the end of the day, for a lot of people, the rhythm is you kind of wind down your day, you've had dinner, you've had your conversations, maybe kids go to bed, and, and you watch some TV. And we want to watch good stories. TV shows, movies, and if you hang around with friends, inevitably the conversation goes to what are you watching? We're wrapping up this series or that series, what are we watching? What's a good story that we can get our head around? We love to tell good stories. We love to tell good stories. Uh, me and the boys took a, uh, a couple days vacation uh, last week, played some golf, and at the end, we're around dinner tables at restaurants, and we're there for hours just telling stories. Here's what's happening in our lives, and here's what I got to experience, and, and, and we're just sharing conversations, right, with family and friends. We love to tell a good story. And then we all, I think, want to live a good story. We want to live a good story. Now, our stories will not be perfect stories. Our stories will not be all success and prosperity. We're gonna have our challenges. That's just the way life goes. But we wanna live a good story, an interesting journey filled with meaning, deeply connected with people that we love, and a life that is filled with love, the love of God, the love of family, and the love of friends. So no matter where our life goes and what we make of our lives, it can be absolutely good and strong if we're living that life with people we love. Uh, we're celebrating on, on Monday, uh, Juneteenth, right? Juneteenth is a great story. It's a fantastic story, right? It's been celebrated for 150 years in the black community, and it's becoming wonderfully embraced uh, by people of all uh, races and ethnicities because the story is truly incredible. You've got on June 19th, 1865, Major General Gordon uh, Granger arrived at Galveston, Texas with news, news to the black slaves that they are free. And there's a great celebration that breaks out in Galveston and then the whole state of Texas. The interesting part about this is that it was two and a half years after Lincoln signed um, the, uh, the, the, the Proclamation of Freedom. For two and a half years, these people had been enslaved, enslaved in Texas. They were set free two and a half years ago. They just didn't know it. And when they finally heard the news, they erupted in celebration. That celebration continues today. And there's a lot of heartbreak in that story because every good story has challenges to overcome. And the heartbreak of the Juneteenth story is that there was slavery at all in the United States of America. The heartbreak is that these Texas slaves were enslaved for two and a half years after they were legally set free. The heartbreak of the story continues as there is a continuing journey of, of, of the black community experiencing true equality. There's heartbreak everywhere, but in the heartbreak there is victory and there's celebration in that. That's a good story, and we celebrate. I want to read you a short story. It's a very famous short story. Uh, it's a story uh, called The Widow's First Year by Joyce Carol Oates. It's a short story that is only four words long, and it's award-winning. Four words long. The Widow's First Year by Joyce Carol Oates. I kept myself alive. Now, for those of you who know a widow, someone who has lost their life partner, you know the power of that story and the emotion of that story. We love a good story, whether it's four words long or whether it's an historical event that we're celebrating or whether it's our own story and the people we get to live this life with, we love a good story and we wanna live a good story. And the reality is, when it comes to the Bible, the Bible is a story. The Bible is a story. Now, it is... The, actually a collection of thousands of stories that was compiled over hundreds and hundreds of years. But those who put the Bible together and compiled the Bible called it the Bible, the book, 
the single story of God's interaction with humankind. But really, when you look in the pages of the Bible, it's a collection of thousands of stories. And right at the beginning, in fact, literally, page one, Genesis chapter one, it's a creation story. It's a creation story. It's a perspective of the heart of God as he creates all that there is and declares it good. And then in Genesis chapter two, it's a different creation story, uh, more focused on God's interaction with mankind, Uh, man and woman and marriage and family and God's vision to fill the earth and subdue it. Great stories told hundreds, maybe thousands of, of years ago around tribal campfires compiled in the Bible. And then you have the story of of the fall, how mankind chooses to really walk away from God's vision of love and peace and seeks pride and power and the consequence of that. And then you have the flood as now evil covers the entire earth in violence and, 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 and corruption and oppression, harming people. The flood narrative is a story of God giving second chances, always giving second chances and always giving new starts. And then the fourth story of the Bible is the story of the Tower of Babel, how humankind tends to consolidate power for ourselves. And God says, no, I want you to fill the earth. I want my peace and my rule over all the earth. And and there's just wonderful things in, in the scripture, wonderful stories compiled over hundreds and hundreds of years to illustrate our relationship with God. And then you go to Genesis 11, 12, 13, and you see how God calls Abram, the first one on earth that God speaks to. Later, his name is changed to Abraham, the father of Israel. And so the rest of the Old Testament is about the nation of Israel trying to figure out who God is and how to please God because they want the blessing of God and they're struggling to figure it out. That's the Old Testament. The nation of Israel struggling to figure out who God is and what he wants so they can earn his blessing, so they can earn prosperity, so they can earn land, so they can earn military victories. They struggle and they struggle and they struggle. They have little glimpses of success and you're cheering them on as you read the Old Testament, but then mostly failure. And the the Old Testament ends in abject failure and tragedy. The Old Testament ends with 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel wiped out. The Old Testament ends with two of the remaining tribes of Israel uh, uh, captive in Babylon. And the final book of the Bible sums it all up. Malachi 2.9, Israel, you are despised and humiliated in the eyes of all the people, for you have not obeyed me. That's how the Old Testament ends. It's a tragedy. But with every good story, there's a tragedy, right? In every good story, there is a moment or two or three, if the movie is really long, where all hope is lost and there's no way out. Every good story gets to a point where there is no way out. You read the Old Testament, you're thinking, there's no future. Not just for Israel, but can there even be a future for the planet? Can any good thing emerge out of such evil, out of such violence? Then you turn the page to the New Testament and you see hope emerge from Israel, from a peasant, just a common peasant out of Israel. And he starts preaching just with humility, preaching in the poor areas of Israel that was then occupied and oppressed by the great Roman Empire, this tiny little people group that hasn't had anything go right for them in hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet this oppressed peasant emerges named Jesus. And he starts preaching in the poor areas and he preaches a totally different message. He's not trying to discover who God is and what he wants so they can earn blessing from God. He says, 
God is, is like a father. God is like a heavenly father. And he doesn't need to be appeased. He doesn't need to be pleased. He doesn't need to be satisfied so he can give things to people. He's a, a loving heavenly father who just loves to embrace his children, not just the people of Israel, but the entire world. The God is a father who embraces the entire world. He loves us. He accepts us. He cherishes us. He celebrates us. He's proud of us. And he wants us to know how much he loves us and walking in the confidence of his love for us, walking in the confidence that we're forgiven, walking in this vision that, that not only are we loved, but he wants us to live a life of love. That's a story. That's the story of the Bible that centers on Jesus. And there's tragedy in here and there's failure in here and there's second chances and third chances. There's hopelessness in here, but then there's Jesus. And Jesus is the centerpiece of the whole story. And here we see Jesus so committed to sharing this message of love, this message of grace, that he's going against the religious oppressors and against the political oppressors who are keeping people in harm, keeping people in poverty, keeping people near enslaved. And Jesus says, that is not the heart of God. God wants everyone treated with respect. The poor among us, the ethnic minority, the sick, the outcast, the lonely, the sinner, all of them, Jesus says, need to be embraced by God. And religious leaders, you are oppressing people. And political leaders, you are oppressing people. And he was so committed to the love of God being known and felt that it cost him his life. The political leaders and religious leaders conspired to arrest him, try him unjustly, torture him, and crucify him. So at the end of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, once again, there's hopelessness. The savior of the world, the one who would give hope to a dark and broken world was put to death, murdered in the cruelest way possible on a cross. Hope is lost again. But then there's the message of the resurrection, right? The message of the resurrection that not even death, not even death is the end of the story. There's life ahead, there's resurrection ahead. And not just resurrection for Jesus, but resurrection for all of us and resurrection for a whole new world, that this world can move forward in a good way, in a resurrected way, not defined by evil and violence and corruption and pride or death, but defined by the victory of God's love, the victory of God's life shown through Jesus Christ, shown through his resurrection. The resurrected life of Christ means we can be resurrected. This world can be resurrected. There's hope again for this world that God so loves and we're a part of that story. We're a part of God's story. We're a part of the story of Jesus. We're a part of this hope that is emerging in this world, and we can live that out, and we can live that out in our own lives as well. And Jesus let us know that we're a part of the story by telling a story, a very famous story called the prodigal son. And Jesus tells these stories so that we know that we're a part of what God is doing here, that we're a part of the grand narrative, the grand story of what God is doing on this earth and that our lives matter in that story, that our lives are an integral part of what God is doing. So he tells the prodigal son, and I'm gonna read most of it, not all of it, but as I read this very famous story, it's not about a son and a father. It's about us and God and the story that we're living. Find yourself in the prodigal son. Luke 15. Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 
About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Isn't that a great story? It's a fictional story that Jesus tells to let us know how loved we are by God, and that even when our story takes dark turns, whether we did it to ourselves or whether it happens to us, that the heart of the Father is always with us, always towards us, always for us, and always there to embrace us and to kiss us and to celebrate us. That's our story. And here's sort of the punchline of that story, Luke 15. This son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found, so let the party begin. A great celebration erupts. Jesus says that's the heart of God towards you. The heart of God celebrates you. The heart of God embraces you. The heart of God kisses you. The heart of God throws a party for you, and he wants you to enjoy that life. In that sense, our story can be a party. A great celebration filled with the love of God and surrounded by the love of friends and family. That could be our story. Now, when we hear that word party, we might think in, in our terms of just, you know, this, this you know, moment of, of celebration, this moment where, you know, we're, we're eating and we're drinking and we're laughing. And, and we might think, well, is that kind of the, the life that I'm supposed to live? And I would say, you know, maybe at times, but that's not the kind of party that God is talking about. The kind of party that God is talking about is not a momentary celebration, but a celebration of the whole story, a celebration of the whole journey, every good thing, every bad thing, the celebration of all of it. Because some of you are saying, hey, listen, my life's not really a party right now. My life's kind of a grind. I met with some people after last service, and their life is is not a party right now, some, some diagnoses that are very, very difficult, and, and, and yet they have this deep sense that there's a story here that's being told, a strong and good story being told. Through every up and every down, through every high and every low, there's a good story being told. So when we say that our life can be a party, it's not this, woo, everything's great, you know. It's a celebration, though, of the entire journey with God and with each other, a celebration of the entire journey that's a strong story. So whether your life is feeling like a celebration or not, I want you to consider two things today. One, learn to love your unique story. Learn to love your, your unique story and learn to write a unique story. So let's talk about learning to love your unique story. That might be a little bit uh, difficult for some of you to get your head, heads around. How do I love my story? Well, we love our story when we think deeply about our story when we take some time to really think about our lives and to think about the narrative of our lives, to think about where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. And when we take some time to reflect on our lives, we can say, hey, that's, you know, that's a good life. That's a good story. Not always a, a celebration up here. Sometimes there's some tough, tough stuff. 
But it really is a good story because the reality is if a story is just all good and nothing bad happens, the most boring story on earth. If you read a book or watched a show where it was just all good, nothing but good, you're going to put that book down and not recommend it to anyone. A good story has up and downs. A good story has moments of courage and endurance and triumph, right? Where you rally together and overcome something. That's a good story. Learn to love your story because your story is very unique. There's only one story like yours. That's it. Unless you believe in infinite multiverses, you're the only one living your story. Kind of a joke. Bad one. You're unique. Your story is very unique. Love your story. Love it all. So here are some things to consider. As you think about your life in the past, what is it about your childhood or your youth that is uniquely yours? Maybe a word or two comes to mind. What about your childhood or your youth is uniquely yours? And, and maybe some good words pop up, right? Family and fun and vacations or whatever. Maybe some words pop up that aren't so good. Maybe there was anger in, in your house or abuse in your house. And you might think, well, I, you know, do I, do I love that story? Well, that's part of your story. It's, your uni- it's uniquely yours. You don't have to love what happened there and the tough stuff, but you can love the journey through it and maybe the journey out of it and the journey of recovery, right? The journey of making boundaries and and gaining strength. There's a lot there to love about your life. Your story might include a love story. You met somebody special. You fell in love. You got engaged. You got married. And then over time, maybe it becomes a little bit routine and we forget sort of the spark of that relationship But when we give ourselves time to really love our story, we can get our hearts back into that relationship. That really is a a beautiful story. We really have a good love story, right? Let's keep that going. Maybe you've got kids in your life and this Father's Day will be celebrated with your children. And and that's a wonderful and deep and rich part of your story. And maybe over time you get busy and busy, busy, busy and life just flies by and days fly by and years fly by. But when we really learn to love our unique story, we can pause a little bit and say, these are my kids. This is such a miracle to have these children, right? And to appreciate this family that you've got maybe more than you have in the past. Your vocation is a unique part of your story. You have unique gifts and skills and abilities. You're in a company, maybe you own a company or work for a company. You're you're contributing in some way to society through your vocation. And some of you might look down on your vocation. Well, I just fill in the blank. I just do this or that. Is that really meaningful? Well, yes. I can pretty well guarantee you, unless you're involved in some illegal activity, I'm watching you over there, unless you're involved in some illegal activity, you're doing something to contribute to society. You're meeting a demand in society. You're bringing orders to society. Just think in those terms. You're contributing through your vocation. And not just through what you do with your hands or or, or, uh, with with your mind, but the people that you're with. You can love the people you're with in your vocation. Your friendships are a meaningful part of your story, enjoying life with the people you love. There might be volunteer works or generosity where you're investing in something bigger than yourself, right? You might have unique and wonderful surprises in life, just blessings that come your way, surprising good things that happen. You might also have some surprising challenges that you did not expect, you didn't plan, you might not have been ready for, but some tough stuff just happened as part of your story. Remember the narrative? It's like whitewater river rafting. It could be peaceful and calm. It could be a level five rapid. You just don't know. Surprisingly good things, surprising challenges. So this is the stuff of life. This is the stuff that people see. But there's also an internal story that you're telling. 
Do you realize that 90% of our conversations happen with ourselves? 90%. 90% of our conversations happen in our own minds. You talk to yourself a lot? I talk to myself all the time. It never stops. Um, and most people do. Most people talk in words. Some people don't, I, I hear. They don't talk to themselves in words. I can't relate to that. Words are always going. Sometimes they're just complete nonsense. Sometimes I find myself actually mouthing the conversation I'm having with myself in my head. And I'm sure people look at me like, that person needs to be, you know, put away, right? There's a lot going on in here. So we have a whole story in our minds. What are we telling ourselves? And so a lot of times our journey means we have to intentionally think about what we're thinking about because 90% of the conversation takes place right here. That's a whole journey. Then we have a whole unique emotional journey, the stuff we feel. And for some of us, we feel things very deeply and profoundly, and that can involve some tough emotional journeys that we need some help with. All that's a part of your unique story. Love the whole journey. And then you have a unique relationship with God. Everyone on earth has a unique relationship with God that they can enjoy in their own unique way. What is your unique relationship with God like? Do you feel a closeness? Uh, Do you feel a sense of personal relationship? That's great. Some of us feel it's more distant. And listen, that's okay too. That's part of your journey. And maybe we can walk towards a little bit of a sense of a closer relationship the more you know the love of God for you. We're all very unique. Enjoy the whole story. There are three things that get in the way of us enjoying our story. One is busyness. If you are busy, you are not enjoying your unique story. You're not loving your unique story. You're too busy. You're just go, 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 go. Every day is filled with stuff. Every day is filled with tasks. Every day is filled with deadlines. You're feeling overwhelmed. There's no way to love your unique life if you're busy. No way. There's no way to love your unique life if you worry. If you are worried about what's coming, you are never living in the present. And if you're never living in the present, you cannot love your life. If you're worried about the future, you will not love your life. Busyness robs loving our life, worry robs loving our life, and envy robs loving our life. If we are jealous of what other people have, we'll never enjoy what we have. It's that simple, right? Um, I watch my news feed twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And uh, I'm pretty sure that our news feeds are custom given to us based on our history, right? We all know that. It's a matter of fact. I've got a lot of mansions dropping into my news feed. Like, oh, this celebrity moved into that mansion. This le- I've got uh, architectural stuff. I check out this mansion. Uh, mansions are pouring into my news feed. Why is it? Because I'm probably going down those rabbit trails a lot. A lot. I built a bunch of houses, I'm a a builder, I love the architecture, but I also love the stuff that's in these mansions. All right, and I'm going for it, I'm reading these things, I'm opening this stuff. Well, it's it's envy, right? And and there's just this, oh, what if, you know, and yeah, I gotta kinda catch myself. If I'm jealous or envious of what somebody else has, it means I don't enjoy what I have right now, and I'm not loving my life. So I'm gonna see what happens when I don't open the mansion news feeds and see if they start kinda peeling off. Uh, because that's my journey. Uh, Loving our life is getting less busy, learning not to worry, and learning to be content. And that can happen, I think, very profoundly through prayer. Through prayer. Now, some of us are prayer people. Some of us are not prayer people. I do like to pray at night. The last thing I do before I go to bed is pray. And what I try to do is to clear the mind, just, just be at peace. I've gone through my newsfeed. I've seen all the mansions. Now, now it's time to put the iPad down 
and just be at peace. Close my eyes, breathe, and be at peace. Unbusy my mind and just concentrate on God, this beautiful life he gave me, to thank him for this life, to thank him by name for every single person in my family, to thank him for my job, for this church, for our school, for the rescue mission, for the friends I've got, for the life I, I have, for the country I live in, for the stuff I've got, uh, for the people that are around me, just to unbusy the mind. And then as the Bible says to cast our cares upon God, just say, God, this is the stuff that's on my mind. This is the stuff that you know, I'm kind of worried about. And just saying it to God, there's no easy fix that, you know, voila, magic happens, but just casting our cares upon God lightens the load because we know he's there and we know he cares and we know he's God and that just brings a comfort. And then to just thank God absolutely for everything. And I do en encourage you, if you struggle with, with envy or if you struggle with a lack of contentment or struggle with worry, if you would just for the next month, every single day, prayer, pray prayers of thanksgiving. Just be thankful, thankful, thankful. Because if we are thankful, for what we have, we're gonna be less concerned about the future and because we're gonna live in the present and we're gonna be less discontent and envious because we're grateful for what we've got. So much peace and so much love of life will come when, when we pray and thank God for the life we've got. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 very famously says this. Easier said than done. Don't worry about anything, right? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Doesn't that sound great? And that happens through prayer. For some of us, it could be at the beginning of the day. For some of us, it's the end of the day. But just take some time. Doesn't have to be a lot of time, just some time to pray, to thank God and cast your cares upon him. That's what it's like to learn to love our lives. But then we can also learn to write a unique story. Not only love our story, but write a unique story. Now, the concept of writing our own story might be a little bit foreign to us because life just tends to happen. And we almost get the sense that life happens to us, right? Every day is really filled with the things that happen to us. And so we don't really, I think, in a lot of ways, have a sense that we're in control of our lives. But we actually are in control of a lot of our lives. Not all of it. There's some things we're not in control of. For example, you're not in control of the family you were born in. The family you were born in is not in our control. You did not sign up to be born in the family you were born in, just the way it is. For some of you, it's fantastic, you love it. For others of you, it's like, oh, that was kind of, it's kind of tough. Well, you're not in control, it's just the way it is. You have no control. The decisions of others are beyond our control. There are people out there making dumb decisions, doing dumb things, and sometimes that hurts other people, and sometimes you have been the victim of other people doing dumb things or other people doing flat-out evil things. And, and that is just life sometimes. We're not in control of that. It's part of the journey. It's part of the adventure of life. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it's not. Um, I'm teaching my daughter to drive now. Uh, scariest moment in any person's life. And as we're driving around, a lot of times we hit the church parking lot because it's kind of safe. <laughs> and then we're hitting other parts of the community. And as uh, we're driving, I've given her some advice. And I tell her this every single time she drives. And I have learned that it's not only good for driving, but it is good for life. You ready? Everybody's dumb 
don't be dumb. As she's driving, you drive like everybody's an idiot, right? Everybody's going to run that red light. That's defensive driving. I like my version better. Drive like everybody's an idiot. Somebody's going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to swerve in the wrong lane. Somebody's going to do something dumb. Drive like everybody's an idiot. And then don't be the idiot, right? Be careful. That's kind of a way to live life. <laughs> Just so, there are people out there that are dumb, that say dumb things, that do dumb things. There are people out there that are flat out mean, that do mean things. There are people out there that are evil and do evil things. Don't be dumb, don't be mean, and don't be evil. That's what it's like to kind of write your story. And some of that means that there's things that happen that we're not in control of, and that's just the way it is to accept that is very powerful. Nature is beyond our control. Natural disasters happen. Um, we have DNA, that we are not in control of our DNA, so we're susceptible to certain health measures and certain diseases. Uh, age happens. That's just nature happening. I tweaked my back going to pick up a toothbrush a couple days ago. I didn't say I picked up a toothbrush. That would be understandable, right? The, the, just going to get a toothbrush, I tweaked my back. It's like, this is just nature, right? You, it's beyond our control. It just happens. Even in the story I read earlier, the prodigal son... We might think, oh, well, he ruined his life. Well, you can argue, yes, he ruined his life. He took half of his father's wealth and squandered it on wild living. He ruined his life. Well, yeah. But also read in the story, a natural disaster came through, right? A famine came through. That happens. We need to accept that. And not only that, other people were mean to him, even in his time of need. The story says people didn't help him. So there's all kinds of things that are beyond our control. The past is beyond our control. Nothing you can do about that. It's gone. If you've made mistakes in the past, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't, you can't go back and fix it. Now you can process through it and you can make apologies and you can bring repair and restoration, but the past is the past. What happened to you in the past can't be undone. So there's an acceptance there. Uh, maybe some of us need pastoral counseling or therapy to work through the past, but, but it can't enslave you. It's just done. It's beyond our control. Accidents are beyond our control. Things just happen. They seem to be randomly happening around us, beyond our control. The family we're born in, decisions of others, nature, the past, accidents, they're all beyond our control. So what do we do? We accept what is, we accept what is, some of us might need to adopt this incredible theological truth. I want to show it to you right now. There's a version of that that's not fit for church, but this is stuff happens. Stuff happens, right? To accept that stuff happens beyond our control, to accept that life includes some suffering and some circumstances that happen to us is so important in writing our own journey because we don't we will feel less trapped when we just accept that sometimes things happen outside of our control. But then we can turn the corner. Then we could say, you know, sometimes our story comes to us, but most of the time we get to write our own story. Most of the time we get to write our own story. Now, I'm gonna break out this uh, pen and paper. For those of you that are under 30, you have no idea what this is. Uh, this is a writing device with ink in it, and, um, and you definitely don't know what this is. This is paper. It's made from uh, tree pulp, or used to be anyway, and you can actually put the ink on the paper to write words. Um, so, but I want us to use this as sort of a, an illustration of how we write our own story. 
as we just said, some of it is already written for us. Some of life just happens to us. But then we have that pen and then we have the paper and we can actually intentionally choose to write our own story. But it takes some time, it takes some energy, it takes some intentionality to say, all right, I'm going to write my own story. So here's a couple of things to just prompt you and your pen and your paper. And think intentionally, what kind of a person do I wanna be? What kind of person do you wanna be? What's a word that pops into your head? I wanna be a kind person. Okay, well, take the pen to paper, just in your mind, pen to paper. Now write out your unique story. Write out how you're going to be a more kind person. What are the things you're gonna do differently? What are the things you're gonna say differently? How are you gonna prioritize relationships differently? You are in charge of what kind of person you're becoming. You're in total charge. No matter what happens in your life, out of your control, you are in charge of the kind of person you wanna be. Think about it intentionally. Write it down. Plan it and live it. What kind of spouse do you want to be? What kind of spouse do you want to be? For those of you who are married, think through it. Well, I don't want to be like uh, maybe, you know, in some ways the way I grew up or these people over there, I'm not down with that, but I, I want to be like them. I want to, I, this is how I want to be as a husband. This is how I want to be as a wife. Think about it. Write it down. Plan it and live it. What kind of parent do you want to be? You might, again, think in your head, well, I don't want to be this kind of parent, what I've seen or experienced, but I do want to be this kind of parent. I want to be engaged. I want to be loving. I want to be involved. Write it down. Intentionally write it down. Plan it. I want to be this kind of parent and do it. What do you want to accomplish in your vocation, in your job? With your mind and with your hands, what do you want to accomplish? And maybe it's just being a, a, a good employee. I just want to be a good, responsible employee. So when I get that paycheck, I know I've earned it. I don't want to be this entitled person who owns things or who, who feels they're owed things. I want, to, I want to earn my keep and I want to be a good employee. Maybe you want to contribute something to your particular field. Uh, maybe you want to achieve a certain amount of success or own your own business. What do you want? What kind of life do you want to live? What kind of story do you want to tell? Think about it. Write it down. Plan it and live it. What adventures do you want to experience? There's so many people, oh, it would be nice one day if I, well, what is that thing? Imagine it, write it down, plan it, and live it. What in the world do you want to see? Is there a place in the world you want to go? Uh, my wife and I have been uh, planning a European vacation. We were going to do that for our 25th anniversary. We were about to celebrate our 30th anniversary, and we're not going there yet. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to do a better job. We want to get to Europe. She's been there. I've been to a couple spots around. Anyway. You gotta plan it, save, get there, right? Plan it, write your own story. What hobby do you wanna start? What hobby have you imagined that you just haven't done? Think about it, write it, plan it, live it. In what ways do you wanna leave the world better than you found it? You might have a heart for children. You might have a heart for single moms. You might have a heart for the poor. You might have a heart for people who are homeless. Whatever it is, wherever your heart is, what are you gonna contribute? And you're only gonna contribute when you think about it, write it, plan it, and live it. What kind of retirement do you wanna experience? Don't accidentally leak into retirement. That's not gonna go well. And then as a follower of Jesus, what about his life and his teaching do you wanna emulate? We're Jesus-centered church, talk about Jesus all the time. We're big fans of Jesus. What did he say and what did he do? And what of his life do you wanna copy? Do you wanna follow? Do you wanna emulate? 
Think about it, write it, plan it. Don't let life just pass you by. Don't let life fly by. Write your own story. So for those of you who feel like you're on autopilot, you just feel like life is just going. You're not in control. Something else is controlling this, but you're just a passenger in life. If that's how you feel, take that pen, take that paper, plan out a good life. For those of you who feel you're not in control of your own story, that life has happened to you and you feel out of control, seize control. Get that pen, get get that paper. Not only love your life, but plan a good life going forward. If you feel like life is passing you by and it's just whizzing by, and I'm telling you, the older you get, and I can speak from some experience, the older you get, the faster life goes by. It doesn't have to be that way. Pause, breathe, think, enjoy the life you've got and plan a good life forward. If you feel stuck, you feel like you can't move, you feel trapped, you don't have to feel that way. Think about it, take a pen, get some paper, write it down. And if you feel like it's too late, those of you who might be a little on the mature side and you feel like most of your life is in the past and what can I really do in the future? I'm telling you every single day of your life matters to somebody. It matters to God. Today's a beautiful gift. It matters to you. Enjoy this life. It matters to your friends and family around you. Get that pen, get that paper, write it out. Love the life you've got. Love the life you've got and learn to write a unique story. Our story really is about relationship for all of us. It's about relationships. So we're going to close in a song that's about relationship. Evan, when uh, we were in our planning meeting uh, and you found out that we were going to talk about a strong story, yes. you just were doing this. Well, the way my mind works is very weird. I connected yes, a, I strong, can, yeah, right? a, a strong story <laughs> with a song called The Story. Okay. <laughs> Genius. So, I, I mean, I, don't ask me how I did it. Um, no, but this is, this is like one of the most, it's one of my top five. Like this is such a, a favorite song of mine um, just because this person just went through so much in their life. And they write this song that just says like, look at this, you see the lines on my face. They'll tell you the story of who I am, what I've been through, where I've been and where I'm going and all this stuff. And it, she basically says, but this is the deal. This story means nothing if you have no one to share it with. So she's saying this, all, the whole point of all this is journeying together through your story, writing your story, experiencing, going through your story. Go through it with people. You're not meant to do this alone, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's the whole point of this story. I, I was made for you. You were made for me. Let's do this together. And we can think of this story, I was made for you, and that my story was made for the people I love. Right. My story was made for my spouse. My story was made for my kids. My story was made for my friends. My story was made for God. And we can just take all of it, right? With all the lines in our face that show the good and the bad, take all of it, embrace all of it, learn to love all of it, and then learn to write a a good story going forward. So uh, would you lead us in this song? All of these lights across my face Tell you the story of who I am So many stories of where I've been And how I got to where I am But these stories don't mean anything When you've got no one to tell them 
climbed across the mountain top. Swam all across the ocean blue, across all the lands, and I broke all the rules. But baby, I broke them all for you. Oh, cause even when I was you made me feel. kind of gets me. Every time. It gets me too. Because, you know, you, you think of the stories that we've gone through and the stories that others have gone through, and some of them are pretty tough. Yeah. But we're going through this life, all the good and the bad, with each other, uh, with our family, with our friends, with the presence of God, and it's a truly great story, and it's a truly strong story. Learn to love that story and learn to write that story. Yeah, and as we tell our stories to one another, we, we create empathy and sympathy for one another. Yeah. We lean on one another as we go through things. So it's, that's why it's important to be together every yeah, week like this. Exactly. And, uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks for teaching this morning. Thanks well, for it's the a great song. pleasure to yeah. be a part of a team like this, yeah. a church like yeah. this, for sure. 
All right, so next week we wrap up the Strong series, uh, and uh, it's going to be great, and there's a lot of good stuff going on out there, always games for the kids and youth, and over there is a prayer corner, right? Yep. We would love to pray with you if today is something on your heart. Yeah. Uh, we'll be over there. And, um, and I'd love to meet you over there if you're fairly new to Rancher, and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you yet. I'll be right over there. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Thank have you, a great Alex. week, everybody.